Anybody want to be a kid? <laughs> we uh, we uh, oftentimes have a children's chat at this time, so I'm just asking you if anybody wants to be a kid because uh, I'm going to share a brief children's chat that will happen in the second service too. Uh, do that. Steve is smiling at me because he knows he's going to get this part. He may not get what I say later, but he's going to get this part. So, sorry, Steve, just exposed you again. So, when I was uh, in seventh grade, I uh, thought of myself as quite a jumper, uh, capable to excel well in track and field. And, uh, we had, a, uh, we had a high jump that we had set up at school. And maybe some of you are old enough to remember this when they didn't put any, uh, any kind of uh, cushion on the other side of the high jump. It was, it was just a sawdust pit, you know. I, I guess there was a time that people actually went over six and a half feet and landed in a sawdust pit. But... Uh, I tried, didn't work out well for me. I jumped the best that I had jumped up to that point. I have no idea how high it was. I was only in seventh grade, so probably wasn't very high, but uh, I landed and I was so pleased with myself, but my arm didn't feel quite right. I had broken it, broken it right down here, and it had a strange curve to it when I looked at it. I can remember looking at that, and, uh, and uh, you know, I was looking around. There was all these uh, other young men there, and they were kind of looking at it, too. And uh, I was, uh, you know how tough 6th, 7th, and 8th grade can be on kids sometimes? Patty, you remember when we do, used to do confirmation class with that age? Kids at that age are cruel sometimes, aren't they? It's challenging. So I wasn't doing real well with, uh, with the, the class that I was in, so I decided to gut it out and didn't cry and stood up and tried to brush it off. I just about fainted from the pain trying to brush it off. And I remember being led inside and finally my parents coming to get me and the bone being set and, and uh, all of that. And I uh, went through the whole process of healing about six weeks and and uh, I'll never forget Dr. Crow taking that cast off. And uh, Dr. Crow always had something salient to say. He was my, my home physician as when, he, when, something, when I went in to see him. And he said, uh, well, Michael, your arm will never break in that place again. In other words, through that challenge, through that struggle, through that pain, and the healing of it, and it was a good healing. He had pronounced that it was a good healing. It was a full healing. He said, your arm will never break there again. In other words, what he was trying to tell me is that it was stronger in that spot than it had been before. Not necessarily more flexible, <laughs> but stronger. And in a good healing of a bone, that's true. A good healing of a bone, a full healing, there's, there's more strength there. Not necessarily more flexibility, but more strength. In other words, and now I'm going to switch from the children's chat. In other words, what my good friend Wayne told me a couple of decades later is true. Mike, it doesn't matter whether you break or not. Everybody, every group, 
every situation comes upon a breaking point. And then Wayne, in his wonderful Texas drawl and his high-pitched voice, says, it just matters how you heal. It just matters how you heal. And see, that's what I want to talk with you about today because we're drawing to an end of Habakkuk's lesson and Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's uh, book. And Habakkuk is unlike, as, as Pastor Aaron probably told you, unlike almost any other prophet in the sense that it's kind of this ongoing conversation with God that is supposed to be overheard by the nation of Israel. It's a, it's a conversation that is building a sense of understanding and strength between God and his people, even as they get to listen to Habakkuk years later or at that time ask some hard questions of God. And basically, it centers around, why are you letting these nasty old Babylonians be the ones who triumph over us? Why are you using evil to, to bring about good? It doesn't make sense. It's not who you are. But Habakkuk, to his credit, and you and I also can learn something from this, we don't have to agree with the way God goes about things. In fact, in the majority of times, you and I won't agree with exactly how God works through matters and circumstances in our life. We would say, well, Lord, it would seem to me that we should do this and then this and then this. Won't you bless that? It's my idea. Wasn't it a good one? Have any of you ever prayed prayers like that? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You've, you've thought yourself, I've thought myself as being able to stand aside of God and give him counsel. And I'll tell you, some, most of you don't know this, but, but uh, the, the position that I serve in now is one where I constantly don't know the answer to what I'm trying to solve. And yet, I find myself in my prayers trying to give the Lord counsel when I don't know what I'm doing. Isn't that an amazing thing? Well, maybe it's not so amazing. Maybe I'm just common to the rest of you. Or maybe many of you are wiser than I am, or wiser than Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk had that conversation too. But I, I have to tell you, there's power in the wrestling. There's strength that's gained in the wrestling because in the wrestling comes some breaking. And after the breaking can come some healing. And people of God, people here at Resurrection, people who are listening today, the reality is, is that everyone breaks. Every situation, as imperfect as it is, comes upon a breaking point. It doesn't matter whether you break. As my friend Wayne said, Mike, it just matters how you heal. It just matters how you heal. And in Habakkuk chapter 3, we see Habakkuk giving confession of a healed heart. Dave Walt, 
was a pastor's son in my first church. Um, beware of pastor's sons who come in into positions of leadership. They think they know what they're doing. Beware of yourself, Kristen, a pastor's daughter who's come into a position of leadership. You and I think we know what we're doing. We live with that assumption. Uh, simply because we've experienced it before, we've seen it before, we think we know what the answers are, but oftentimes we find ourselves in this situation, in this circumstance, falling short. So Dave Walt, at about 11 months into my first church at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Wyzetta, Minnesota, is given the task of giving me my first review as associate pastor. And let me tell you, as a vice president of General Mills, he gave me a challenging review. I steamed all the way through it. And then at the end, he said, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I had a lot to say. I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Dave, bad idea, and told him all of the areas that he was misunderstanding, and that he didn't understand the priorities of the church. And, and you know what Dave told me? He says, I expected you wouldn't like what I said. I didn't tell you all of these things because I think you're a bad pastor. I told you all of these things so that you would have an opportunity to learn and to grow as you reflected on them. You may never agree with me completely, but I told you these things so that you might reflect and learn and grow. Habakkuk in chapters 1 and 2, gets a lot of answers from God that he doesn't agree with. He doesn't understand. It doesn't seem to him to be the way things should go or the way things should be. And he's just standing in place of the people of God at that time and the people of God today that are pleading with God, saying to him, this is what I think. This is what I'm asking for. How come it's not turning out the way that I think it ought to go? Whether it has to do with uh, society in general and the pandemic, let's just put the, a, a, a big, a big uh, curtain over the top of that, or whether it has to do with uh, the way that my adult children are behaving, or whether it has to do with how my marriage is working out, whether it has to do with the uh, challenges and the terrors of aging whether it has to do with uh, my relationship with my neighbors or my church body or my pastor or my friends or my extended family. And, and, I, and I don't agree with how this is all folding out. And, and I'm wondering, what are you going to do about it? And the Lord comes back and in his word, he challenges us to look at our own hearts and our own circumstances, and he challenges us to look at his view of what truth is. Yes, his truth, not ours as we think it ought to be. His truth that centers around a, a God who said, I want to restore, and I have a long-term plan to restore a broken world. 
And in the midst of that, I value every human life. As much as they may be against me, I truly desire all men, all women to be saved and come into a knowledge of the truth. I desire them to grow up in me and grow up in righteousness. I have made a way for this to happen as I continue to send my Holy Spirit, not so that you'll get it right and be perfectly healed, but in an ongoing state of breaking, you will also experience great healing and ultimately final healing. Because, yes, I paid the full price for all of you. I didn't leave any of the price of your misbehavior unredeemed. None of it. None of it has to just simply be pushed over in a corner and forgotten. None of it has to be ignored. None of it has to be, well, whatevered. I, I actually sacrificed so that that could be cleansed. And that's what my death on the cross, that's what my resurrection from the grave was all about. Now, people of God at resurrection, you're looking at this side of that reality, this side accomplished in Habakkuk. Habakkuk's hearkening back to a time when God worked a great redemption. He's, he's talking about the, the time when, the, you know, in picturesque language, he's talking about the time when God's armies came from the south, which was a traditional way that God's armies came for, for the purpose of redemption, for the purpose of healing. He's talking about that as he said, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. You know, he's, he's talking about uh, triumphs of the past that they had witnessed, that they had seen, that had been worked through their great heroes, heroes that were their judges, but referring probably to, to a, a man like David in their past, a great conqueror, or referring specifically to the way that God filled with his spirit the, the nation of Israel as they came from Egypt up into the promised land, up north around the promised land, into that place, and, and they, they battled and won their place, but under the mighty arm and power of God. You remember the story of the, uh, or the account of the, the battle of Jericho. Who fought that battle? God fought that battle, didn't he? And, and then when they tried to go to a little town next door named Ai and fight the battle in their way, they failed miserably. Okay? That's what we see. Who fought the battle for them against Egypt? Because Egypt came against them with all, all their power, didn't they? They came back to, to get them again. Pharaoh had a, another change of mind. He says, why am I letting my million-plus slave force go? How crazy am I? Why did my people give them all their wealth and send them off into the, the wilderness despite all those nasty plagues? Why did I do that? And he thought better of it, and he went after them. And God in the warriors, the horses of the rushing waters, which is what we hear about here in Habakkuk, isn't it? God in that power, in that picturesque language, 
works great redemption. And so what Habakkuk is doing for us is he's saying, remember with me, people of God, as I confess the faith that we have not only individually but together, and we remember how God has raised up his people from nothing, from just a, a small family, from a time of Abraham where he couldn't even have his own kids for a hundred years and made it into a great nation. A nation then that had to take the risky situation of, of being down in Egypt and falling into slavery and being in despair for centuries and then being called out of a slave mindset into a victorious people, a people that followed the pillar of light and the pillar of cloud followed the presence of Almighty God into a promised land that conquered things that they never should have been able to conquer because they were slaves, not soldiers, who took possession of a land, who were blessed with the presence, who, who God worked with even though they broke along the way. They broke badly. They broke faith with God. And it didn't matter that they were broken. It mattered how God, listen to that, how God healed them. See, these are the things that Habakkuk is talking about in this chapter. These are the things that he talks about in verses 1 through 15. All of this in picturesque language that help us to understand that our God is a mighty God. He has been faithful in the past. He's faithful in the present. Even when we can't see him, he'll be faithful in the future. So, Brittany, where are you? There you are. <laughs> and, you know, you were so happy to see me this morning. You, you know what I was doing? <laughs> I, I was late. I didn't get here until 820. Uh, so, uh, you know what I was doing? I was writing and reflecting a letter of commendation to one of our pastors who's retiring today. And I hadn't had a chance to do it, and I'd forgotten to do it last night. And so I was writing it so that his circuit visitor could read it at that celebration that comes after their service today. And I know this man. I've known him for years. He was a teacher and a principal, and, a, and he's been a pastor for the last 17, 18 years. And there's been challenge and struggle and, and also great success in the midst of, of all of the ministry. In other words, his, his ministry has been like this, the roller coaster that is much of our life. But the peaks are always about God, and the valleys are always a place that God has gone with him. And I was reflecting on that, and it fits so much to what, what we're talking about in the midst of Habakkuk, that we praise God, Habakkuk praises God because he's not seeing what we see. He's only seen because he was a contemporary of Jeremiah at a time that Jerusalem was about to be destroyed. He's only seen what we know historically that the nation of Judah was utterly wiped out and broken, seemingly beyond repair. Nine-tenths of them were killed and another tenth or, or fifth, fifth uh, no, I'm sorry, about 20th was carried into captivity and another 20th was left behind. Cities, farms were leveled. New people were brought in to take possession of the land. 
seemingly everything's broken beyond repair. And see, <laughs> that's the context without seeing, living only with the promise of the Messiah and God's restoration to come. That's the situation, the breakage in which Habakkuk writes this letter, this prophecy. A confession of great faith based upon what? Based upon simply hope, I wish, I hope, I wonder? No, based upon who God has been in the past, who he even is in this present situation, in this hardship, based upon the real ongoing presence of God. Not based upon Habakkuk's ability to have a stiff upper lip and like the young Mike Lang try to wipe the sawdust off his arm. If Habakkuk had tried to do that, he would have also cringed in great pain because the pain and the struggle of the time was just too great. The breakage was too much. But what he confesses is what God has put within his heart. A faith, a faithfulness in which God has been faithful in the past, and Habakkuk knows God's promises that it will be true in the future, and he delivers those promises even through difficult conversation to the people who are listening in. At that time, into the future, and to the people listening in today. The people in this room the people online who are struggling with some breakage, with some challenges. And yet, some of those people find in great joy in what God is doing in the midst of it all. And great hope and trust in who he has been in my life who I know he is in my life, and I hold to that desperately, and who I have a promise that he will be in my life, in your life. See, there's healing possible. In fact, there's more than that. There's salvation, forgiveness, and healing already won and paid for. You access it every day by faith. Access that great love with me now, would you please? Access it as you confess him, as you admit your struggles and mistakes, and as you also hear of his great love for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, your people are here today. And we're here today hopeful and trusting. We're here today broken and struggling. Some of us walked in here a little bit numb. Some of us walked in here with uh, uh, many different things we were struggling with or aware of and, 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 and hoping, hoping for a time of centering and strength, forgiveness and hope. A message from you, a message that says, you, my child, are valuable. You, my child, are one in whom I, I place great joy. You, my child, though broken, are one that I'm going to and I am granting healing. Dear Lord Jesus, 
I ask that uh, you would hear the prayers of each individual heart today, wherever they come from and however they have entered this place or are coming to us from an extended distance. And I ask that you would hear our silent prayers of confession as we pour out to you our breakage, our hopes for healing, and the assurance that we already feel in the way that you have been faithful in the past and that we can praise you in the future. Even though there's, uh, uh, as Habakkuk says, no, no cows in the pasture, no, no donkeys in the pen, and the wealth seems to have fled. Our, if not our physical wealth, our own sense of spiritual wealth, yet we can praise you because our strength is not found in all of these things. It's found in you. So listen to our private confession at this time. Dear people of Almighty God, saved by the blood of Jesus, inspired by His Spirit, hear then these words of truth. God hears your prayer. He hears the breakage that you have reluctantly and sometimes openly begun to confess to him, that which is fully formed in your words and that which is just lurking in your hearts. And he comes to you and he says through his servant, your servant this morning, Mike Lang that shares with you in your breakage, but yet stands before you not in his own person, but as a very servant of God, that you are forgiven that his sacrifice has cleansed you, that he has already worked victory. And he says this to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.